Chimera by Phil Gong. Read by Dan Snellgrove. Chapter 9 Captain Toothache and the Silver Locket. For a long time, neither Kip nor Atticus spoke. Say something, Kip, said Atticus, finally. Please. But Kip didn't know what to say. What are the ankle snatchers going to do with us? He asked instead. We're of little interest to them now. They're hoarders, nothing more. Look at the walls. See how they're ripped where others have tried to escape. Do you see what covers the floor? When a metamorph reaches the end of its life, it becomes an object again, nothing more. A detritum, remembered Kip. We're standing on the remains of lost properties who lived out their entire lives in this one cave. Atticus swiped at the floor with his tail, a furious gesture that sent dust high into the air. I'm so sorry, Kip. You don't deserve this. You're wrong, said Kip quietly, turning from him. What are you talking about? You're only here because you were brave enough to rescue me from the ankle snatchers. Even after everything Madame Chartreuse told you about me. It's complicated, said Kip. Atticus said, It's not like we're going anywhere. Beyond the cave walls, ankle snatchers scurried in the dark. Atticus waited. After a deep breath, Kip began at the beginning. Beside Mum and Dad's bed was a cabinet with a drawer. The drawer was off-limits. I was never to look in there. It was none of my business. Captain Toothache was always curious. He thought there was treasure inside it. Rubies, doubloons, strings of pearls. He was always egging me on to take a look. So was Sprat, but I never did until the day Dad came home early from work. Dad never came home early. Most times he'd be home so late I'd already be in bed. Anyway, this day, Dad seemed weird. His shirt was untucked and his tie was twisted. His face was red and he kept dropping his keys. I asked if him being home early meant we'd all be going to Fatty Barnstorms or the Thriller Minute Fairground. He laughed like I'd made a joke. Mum came running out of the kitchen. She told me to go to my room. I said I didn't want to, but she said I won't ask you again. And I said, but Dad's home early. And she said, Dad doesn't want you around right now. I knew it was wrong, sneaking in their room and opening the drawer like that. But I was hoping they'd catch me. They'd have to talk to me then. What did you find? Nothing much. Loose change, tubes of face cream, a few photos of me when I was little, and a silver locket. It looked really old and it didn't have a chain. It didn't look like anything much. 
I tried looking inside, but the hinges wouldn't open. I put it inside an old crisp packet and buried it in the garden. You buried it? It was treasure, said Kip, feeling stupid. I was going to return it, but then it rained and Sprat and me played pirates in my room instead. And then the day after that, it was school. Weeks later, when I remembered, I rushed out into the garden. I looked everywhere. I should have drawn a map. Mark the spot with an X. What happened? Kip remembered the silhouette of his mum in the doorway to his room, the noise of his dad's shoes on the stairs, the sick feeling deep and sour in the pit of his stomach. What happened, Kip? When mum found out, she said, You've changed everything. Dad, he was furious. He said, stupid boy, what with everything else that's going on, this is the last thing this family needs. After that, everything was different. Mum started getting headaches and having to lie down. Sometimes Dad would still be in his dressing gown when I came home from school. One time I came into the kitchen and found Mum in tears at the table. It was me doing that. My fault. Your fault? She cried like that when she found out I'd taken the locket her face in her hands. At night, I'd hear them arguing. I'd hear my name sometimes. And once... Kip hesitated. Dad was crying, Atticus. I heard him through the wall. When they said we had to move somewhere else, I told them I'd run away to fatty barnstorms if they tried taking me with them. I had this old cupboard in my room with all my stuff in. With the lights off, it looked like a great big bear... And when I was very little, it used to scare me. Until Dad said I wasn't to be afraid. Because if it was a great big bear with the lights off, then it was only there to protect me. On the day we had to leave, I tried moving it in front of the door so they couldn't get in, but it was too heavy. They did get in. I kicked and screamed, but they dragged me down the stairs. I told them I hated them. You're not my mum and dad, I said. Ah, you were upset, said Atticus. You didn't mean it. I did mean it. They weren't my mum and dad. How could they be? My real dad would never cry. Anyway, they were different. They looked different. Kip felt a sob getting started in his chest. They were strangers, Atticus. I didn't know them. Atticus tried calming him, but Kip moved deeper into the shadows of the cave. He sat down on a large cocoon and rested his chin on his hands and nobody said anything for a long time. When Kip spoke again, his voice was more measured. The day I found Mum crying in the kitchen, there were letters on the floor from people wanting money. Captain Toothache was right, you see. The silver locket was treasure after all. That's why Mum and Dad were so angry when I lost it. That's why we had to move. I did that. I did. Kip. Do you think the locket's here, Atticus? If it's lost, it must be, right? Kip began looking among the cocoons. If I could find it, if I could just take it back to them. Kip, said Atticus. On his knees now, his hands raking through the grit, Kip continued. And then maybe they'd want me back, maybe. You need to stop this, Atticus said firmly. <sighs> you need to stop. But I was so horrible to them. I said I wished I could disappear like the Bean Twins. They disappeared on their way to school a few weeks ago. 
Their mum and dad were on the news. They said... Kip faltered, trying not to cry. They said they'd do anything to see their boys again. Anything. And now Kip was crying. Your parents are missing you too, Kip. I'm sure of it. Kip shook his head. I should have told you all this at the start. I could have saved you a lot of trouble. What could St Anthony do for me anyway? It's like you said, when an object's dark, it's stuck here. Atticus looked at Kip strangely. What are you talking about? Kip held up his hands. Look at me. I don't have an elsewhere light. Don't have one? Kip, you have one of the brightest elsewhere lights I've seen. Why would I have suggested you join the Calvacade if there was no hope of restoring you to the elsewhere world? Kip looked at his hands in confusion. You can't see it? See what? I'm telling you, there's nothing. The periwigs, Kip. Periwigs are attracted to elsewhere light. That's why they wouldn't leave you alone. Why do you think the Oblivion Three are so determined to hunt you down? It's your light thereafter. The Berserker wants to extinguish it, like a child who'd rather break the toy it cannot have. The tea leaf wants to feast on it like honey. They would have robbed you of it already had Madame Chartreuse not stopped them. When the Calvacade leaves the protection of Thingopolis for the Sanctuary, the Oblivion Three will prey upon the weak, the slow, the sick and the cumbersome. But not for Madame Chartreuse, the ordinary or the everyday, the chamber pots and the carpet slippers. She takes only the most precious lost properties, objects with the brightest, longest-lasting lights. Of all the lost properties that arrive in Chimera, children shine most brightly. She covets them above all else. She keeps them locked away. No one knows where. Only the children don't know they're imprisoned. You've seen her eyes. You've felt their influence. She makes them forget the world from which they're lost. And now she's coming for you, and she absolutely will not stop. I can't pretend to understand what happened between you and your parents, but someone in the elsewhere world is missing you desperately. Like some fanfare or round of applause, Atticus's words gave the cue for the magician in Kip's head to return to the stage. With a flourish of his white gloves, he began to pull more memories from his pockets. Rat's fifth birthday party, with the cake... With the girly pink icing she refused to the eat. The day she fell out of the climbing tree and broke her wrist. One leg peg and Captain Toothache playing sword fights with long cardboard tubes left from rolls of wrapping paper. The muddle of her room with its ant farm and kicked off shoes. The holes in her jeans. And the scabs on her knees. Sprat. It was Sprat giving Kip his elsewhere light. But even as the images kept coming, Kip worried they weren't as clear or as bright as they should be. High above the magician's head, 
Kip suspected light bulbs were going out, unscrewed by the fugue with slow twists of its clammy fingers. Kip put his hand in his own pocket and found it empty. He dropped to his knees and began scouring the floor of the cave. Kip spied the red lace of Spratt's conker lying amongst the debris, discarded by the ankle snatchers who must have robbed it from his pocket. He picked it up and blew the dust from it. He shined it on his jumper before giving it a quick, hard squeeze. The feel of the conker in the centre of his fist reassured him. He pocketed it and began hunting for the scrap of wallpaper. He found it easily, its blue colour vivid against the drab sand. I think this must be yours too, suggested Atticus, holding the crayon drawing towards Kip with the end of his tail. Kip stood up. Oh, that, he said sheepishly, putting it away quickly. He knelt down again and began sifting through more of the gravel on the cavern floor. What are you looking for? asked Atticus. The leaf, Kip replied unhappily. I took it from the big tree at the end of my garden. I loved that tree. You could see right into old Mr Willoughby's garden from the top of it. Everyone was scared of old man Willoughby. But one Halloween, Sprat posted a frog through his letterbox. Kip sent clouds of dust into the air. Where is it? Atticus pointed his tail at a curled brown stalk lying next to a largish cocoon. Uh, is that what you're looking for? Crestfallen, Kip said. What happened to it? I think something in here must have eaten it. Eaten it? A half fact needs a balanced intake of ruggage before it pupates. Bitamins and carpet tribits. No sooner had Atticus spoken than the large cocoon began to quiver. With frantic snipping sounds, something began cutting its way through its parchment-like skin. It could be anything, warned Atticus. And whatever it is, it will likely be frightened and confused. With a dull popping sound, the cocoon disintegrated, a small ostrich-like bird stepping out of its tatters. Its plumage was dull brown, its skinny legs wobbling comically as it struggled to stand upright. The creature's head was small, supported on a short, featherless neck, but its beak was huge and terrifying. Two scythe-like blades that opened and closed with a noise like the sharpening of knives. A garden sheer shrike, whispered Atticus. Stay back. The freshly hatched metamorph surveyed its surroundings, its feet scratching amongst the sediment. It ruffled its stubby plume of tail feathers and turned in a circle. It put its head between its legs and blinked. It began pecking at the remains of its cocoon, picking up the husks in its beak and arranging them about its body as if making a nest. The Shearshrike sought to nestle within it, resting its head on its chest. Agitated suddenly, it kicked the remains of its cocoon. It cawed and flapped its wings, sending the dust of long-dead detritums whirling around it. The blades of its beak snapped open and closed. It made another sound, 
A scream that set Kip's teeth on edge. What's wrong with it? Kip whispered. The sheer shrike launched itself into the air. It struck the cave roof and fell back to the ground. Enraged, it took flight again. This time when it met with the ceiling, it emitted a shrill scream of frustration and began to half-fly, half-throw itself at the cave walls. The scissor snap of its beak made Kip queasy with dread. At any moment, he expected to be cut into bloody strips or find Atticus sliced into snake rings. The sheer shrike began attacking the walls again, slashing at the mattresses. Kip thought the creature would never tire of its tantrum. When finally the beating of wings and tearing sounds subsided, Kip peered up through the white whirl of wadding and saw the sheer shrike had managed what other metamorphs had not. Using the formidable tool of its beak, it had cut a way out through the roof. Kip and Atticus were free. Mm-hmm.